killed my straw. There. This is disgusting. <laughs> Just brat boy style spilled all over the table. Yeah, like when you're playing uh, beer pong. All our, all our listeners are like, Eric's a frat boy trash. I think you mentioned you're in a fraternity. And that's why we don't have listeners. Welcome back to the Shake and Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and Vivi. Today, we're going to be talking about the 1999 movie, The Blair Witch Project, directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I have a lot of feelings. Again? You always have feelings. I always have a lot of feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's our first time recording in like a month. I like how I said again, like... Again? You're (laughs) undone with those feelings? (laughs) Like you're never supposed to have feelings again. You're not, according to you. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't recorded in a month. People won't know that because we've been putting episodes out anyway, but we slacked off. Instead of keeping four episodes in our back pocket, we just procrastinated and adventured for a few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't really procrastinated. We did a lot of stuff. We went to Denver. Slash Breckenridge, which is so cool. Second time being there. The altitude sickness fucked us up. Oh, it was way worse this time than the first time. (laughs) Was chugging liquid IV. And it still wasn't doing anything. No, and my cousin who has visited more times had oxygen tanks and that kind of helped more. I think it's hilarious that that can be found like if it was gum at the store. Yeah, that's (laughs) just a problem you run into over there. I can't imagine that dogs do too hot out there. We were talking about taking Loki and this guy's out of breath even here. Let alone somewhere up up high i think it's what twelve thousand feet or yes. more over in breckenridge yeah it's insane great views though there was We've nothing creepy except busy. for like abandoned chariots did you see those oh my sister took pictures of it there was like an abandoned looking cabin near one of the hiking trails she actually went in and inside um, of the house not inside oh. <laughs> but she could see through the windows and took pictures and she definitely saw that there was someone squatting there oh shit yeah well the bench that was outside looked kind of new too it looked like Someone was keeping it up. So maybe there's feral people out there. Which is a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Terrifying thing. <laughs> so we showed off all of our Shake and Not Scared podcast cocktail making skills and impressed Vivi's family. Yeah, it's very hard to impress a room full of alcoholics. Just kidding. They're not alcoholics. <laughs> Other than Breckenridge, I also went camping with the guys as my bachelor Your bachelor thing, party, yeah. You know, pandemic changed everything. Right. But we went to a place up by the Pictured Rocks in the UP in Michigan. The area is called Munising, where the Pictured Rocks are. We stayed in a camp that very much looked like the Camp Crystal Lake camping area. To get to the camp, it was kind of creepy because it was like a 10, 15 minute drive out from the road into the tree line. And so it was like dirt road. We went in circles when we got there because we couldn't figure out how to get to the camp. It was very narrow road. Like it wasn't even road. It was dirt path i don't like and that. we were driving yeah dan was driving his car but i was driving the pickup and it was so narrow i mean luckily it wasn't like very late it was still pretty light out but i know francisco was kind of creeped out and mark too was like oh no this is this is insane daryl and dan were in the other car and they were talking about other stuff obviously they were talking about overthrowing the government but <laughs> but we <laughs> casual bachelor yeah. night talk <laughs> And so there was this family, it was like 20, 30 people deep at a camping spot. It looked like, at least from what we were driving, a dead end. And I was like, oh shit, like, where are we getting ourselves into? They all creepily stood up and just stared at us as we drove past. We waved, but they just stared at us. They had like a fire going, but it looked like a lot of smoke. I was like, they're cooking people. When you but... told me that story, I was like, oh no, you guys were about to get midsummered. <laughs> yeah, they were cooking people. That's why there was so much smoke. Yeah, we ended up making it to the camp. We talked about skinwalkers too, because we were out there in Naturally. pitch black weather, or pitch black. <laughs> <laughs> P- 
pitch black weather. <laughs> yeah. Pitch black weather. Suddenly the pitch black weather hit us at around 9 p.m. The stars look so cool over there. I love being out there. And Dan was super prepared. More prepared than the people in this movie we're about to talk about. But Dan's like a camping enthusiast. He like does this stuff. for fun. He has like a cooler that he says he keeps just in case he has to take an impromptu camping trip. That's commitment. <laughs> yeah. He had fishing rods. He had a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he's got a Oh, he would have car. definitely survived this movie. Oh, for sure. Is that all you got for how we've been? We are basically just ramping up for our wedding. I have a bridal shower tomorrow. That should be fun. It's going to be a tea party theme. My family's really cute. They're throwing it together. Same thing since we got married last year. Didn't really get to do all these traditional things. All these parties are kind of last minute before we get married again. Now tell me, are you the Mad Hatter of this tea party? Probably. Are you going to go Mad Hatter theme? I got I got a little hat. Mad Hatter hat? No, it's not that crazy. <laughs> You're um, not that crazy. No, maybe. I don't know. I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> oh, no. And You're the feeling hatter then. So much so that like I'm probably not going to do a bachelorette thing until like after the wedding. Oh. That's how messed up our schedule got. Do we talk about creaky creaky content? <laughs> creaky content? We don't even know the name of our segments anymore. Creepy content? Yeah, I think you have more than I do. Not a ton. Like we said, we've been running around, so it was kind of disappointing to sit down and realize we haven't watched anything or done anything. No. Everyone's uh, talking about Fear Street, and we still haven't Yes, and I, like the third movie's out, I think, already. And We're probably going to binge them all tonight. Yeah, right? I guess that's a good thing, that we can sit through all of them. We've been watching Loki, which we talked about already. That's probably the only thing we sit down every week and watch. I watched this movie that... I had seen and I thought it was just another like lame exorcism movie because I feel like those are so overdone. It was called The Last Exorcism. It's kind of old. I think it was 2010-ish. It's found footage style film of this pasture that basically goes around and performs fake exorcisms. Like he knows they're fake, but he runs it as a business because his son is sick and he has to like make money to support him and his illness but being a pastor you don't get like health insurance and stuff like that which i didn't even think about until so I he saw does that movie. these to make the money yeah so he does these like fake who's exorcism. approving these because obviously all we've learned is well, that there's fake. a lot of processes to go well, yeah i guess that, that makes sense. it doesn't need to be <laughs> approved but basically he runs into a real exorcism oh, and no. it's it's interesting it's good it's a different take on exorcism films for sure is it like lesser known or is it pretty popular i think it's pretty popular like i said i've seen it everywhere i, I know because we follow a lot of horror podcasts in the community and they cover it and i was just like i gotta see what this is about because mm. most of the times like the last exorcism of emily rose or the devil made me do it they're all very similar in premise and not great the only other thing that we've watched that's kind of creepy is trace <sighs> Tracy, <laughs> Teresa. The other day we had this conversation because I was like, why are you acting like you don't know how to speak Spanish? <laughs> it's called Trece. It's called Trece, yeah. yeah or Trece, I guess if you want to say it in an English accent. It's a Filipino comic and it's been adapted into a Netflix TV show. Which has pretty good animation. I like it. I like the premise. We only watched it to like episode two, but I like the lore behind some of the characters. It makes me want to actually go and read the comic from the Philippines. So it was written by Bujet Tan. I apologize if that's the wrong pronunciation, but it tells the story of Alexandra Trese, a detective who deals with crimes of supernatural origin. From what we gathered in the first episode or two, it looks like she was brought up like this by her family. So. Yeah, her family is kind of like this protector of the realms, keep the balance between two worlds. Reminds me of a lot of other things. The series introduces you to so many characters so quickly that yeah. I'm like, oh crap, I want to know more about this character. And you just get them in flashes, kind of like the two security dudes that she's yeah, got with her. Yeah, I think they're awesome. They she's just call really her cool. boss. Boss. Yeah, they have an accent too. <laughs> 
So if that's all you got, yeah. In the last episode, we talked about reading Tender as the Flash, right? I've been reading it for a while. It's been a couple episodes, but then you just decided to uh, upstage me. If you didn't catch it on the last episode about Cujo, I listened to these books at 2.6 speed. So I finished it in like two hours. Which sucks because you keep being like, the ending. And I'm like, shut up. That's exactly what I was going to say is that I know we talked about reading it, but I finished it and this book is fucked. Like, it's just all I could say to you without spoiling it. It ends in a way that's kind of like, it doesn't conclude anything. It's just like, this is just what happened to this character. Forget all the other things that you're wondering about. It's very dystopian. Very similar to when you when you read The Handmaid's Tale and Alfred's story is just cut off and you don't know. Or 1984 when you don't know what happens with Wilson. It's very similar. Like you get this small snippet of this world and you have so many questions and there's no conclusion. It makes me think of like Black Mirror. It's all left to the viewer or reader's imagination. So kind of like, like this to say, movie. Yeah, well, we had so many questions, but the book is, is messed up and okay. every character is shitty. Yeah, I've <laughs> kind of gotten that so far. Yeah, there's not a single good person. Oh, well, except one person who okay. doesn't get the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Without okay. giving you too stop, much away. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah. Now that I've finished that, there was one that I was trying to look for right before this, but I couldn't find it. And I, it really looked interesting. It was like the butcher, the god, and the something. And it just kept getting promoted to me and I forgot to wishlist it and now it's not popping up. But I did always see this other one called The Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. I can give you a snippet. It sounds pretty interesting. So it says that when a young woman clears out her deceased grandmother's home in rural North Carolina, she finds long hidden secrets about a strange colony of beings in the woods in this chilling novel that comes across like the Blair Witch Project meets the Andy Griffith show. I want to read that. Seems interesting. I'll check it out. Let you know how it is and we can review it next week. Cool. That's all I got. That's all we got. Cool. So do we talk about this drink? This one was a little difficult to theme uh, to drink after. Execute the actual drink we picked, yeah, but also just to pick something that made sense for this movie. What I thought of, and we kind of brainstormed together, was that there's a little bit of blood, right? There's not very much gore or anything like that in this movie. No. It's a forest movie, obviously. You're lost in the woods. Uh, so I was thinking like mud, something green. We watched it and I was like, I know what we need to include in this. Heather at some point says she hates scotch. And so I said, we need to include scotch in the drink. <laughs> <laughs> because fuck Heather. Yeah. Well, it's her fault that some of these yeah, things happen. we can talk about it. Yeah, it's a drink that's got grenadine for red, Midori, which is a melon liqueur, for green, and then green beans for boogers. That was my thought, is that she's very booger. The very iconic scene at the end. <laughs> and then just uh, scotch. I tried to make it look brown to make it look muddy, but... I also was... thought we could have used Kahlua, but I don't know how that would have tasted with Midori. That uh, sounds disgusting. Weird. Yeah, that's like chocolate with melon. Yeah. Which I guess could be like fondue. I guess we'll, <laughs> save, <laughs> we'll save that for another one that, yeah. that fits this theme. So yeah, it's red, green, and brown. I think I'm going to call it mud, blood, and boogers. Beautiful. <laughs> Cool, so, you want to give it a try? Yes, I'm going to mix mine because there's nothing but scotch at the top, so it will just taste like scotch. It doesn't want to mix. At this point, it's probably really watered down. Too. Oh, yeah. It also looks like pee now. <laughs> Bloody piss yet again. That's what happens out in the woods when you're not eating or drinking water. It tastes water. Yeah, it's a big sip. It's not bad. It's not. When you mix the Midori and the scotch together. Let me drink it from the straw to see if the grenadine part makes a difference. Actually, scotch and Midori kind of taste really good together, huh? It's not bad. I would describe it like a strong scotch-flavored Jolly Rancher. Oh, really? Because it's the scotch and then you get... Because I don't taste Jolly Rancher at all. Oh, well, you haven't gotten to the bottom. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, grenadine just always, I guess, tastes sweet. It always tastes sweet. Yeah, I see that. It is a scotch Jolly Rancher. Do you want to taste mine? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you rate it? I would give it a, mm, this is hard. Okay, I'm between a 
3.5 and a 3 just because scotch isn't really my jam. But it's not bad. It's like surprised me. So I'll give it a 3. I'll give it a 3. I'll five. give it a 3 too. <laughs> I like scotch too. And I think that I would give it a 2 if I was drinking yours. Okay, because it's really sweet. But I'm drinking mine and I give it a 3. I guess we'll see once I hit the grenadine. I'm also surprised because I don't love the taste of Midori. But with the scotch, it, it makes it less sweet. Cool. Cool. So enjoy. Let us know what you think. Blood, mud, and boogers. <laughs> I've been posting these drinks on the Facebook page, and I think with the names being what they are, sometimes they get a lot of likes, and sometimes they don't like pig's blood. Although it looked really cool. Did not It got, like, like, no likes. It got, like, 15. Meanwhile, like, Black Magic got, like, 276. Yeah. Like I think this one's also going to be a lowly liked by the name drink. <laughs> or not. People might be into it. Vivi's doing the fun facts this time, so let's hear them. Okay. So, I feel before we get into fun facts, a little bit about this movie. If you did not grow up in the 1990s, early 2000s, this movie was a cultural phenomenon. (laughs) It was everywhere. People talked about it a ton. It is credited with being one of the first found footage films, if not the one to kick off the genre of now what we have paranormal activity and so on and so forth. It doesn't predate Cannibal Holocaust, though. No. Which would probably be the the great, great, great granddaddy of found footage film. So yes, this film is largely credited with being one of the first found footage films. So much so that people actually believe the actors to be dead, and we can kind of get into that. Here's one that I had a hard time pinpointing the exact budget of this film. I saw that it could have been as low as 25000 which is minuscule for a Hollywood movie. Makes sense. Forgot to mention, a lot of these are from Mental Floss and then Wikipedia, so don't come for me. <laughs> there was others that <laughs> or say... Or do it. <laughs> no. I dare you. I am sensitive. Okay. Well, I'll handle it. There's other sources that say that the budget of the film was greatly exaggerated, that they had somewhere between 300000 and 500000 to film this movie. I don't know if that is true because <laughs> I don't see it on screen. No. <laughs> so, the original script was only a 35-page outline. When Merrick? Yeah. When Merrick and Sanchez wrote their first draft of the Blair Witch Project in 1993, they were both film students. They wrote the script as more of an outline because they had planned for the dialogue to be improvised by the actors in order to make the story more real. When I read that, I was like, this makes so much sense because they have horrible dialogue. You think so? They repeat a lot of the same stuff. Like, you could tell they didn't know what else to say. Yeah, I guess so. But I didn't feel that because... What else are you supposed to say when you're kind of lost, right? That's true. A lot of it's just screaming the same thing. You're just panicking. So panic probably just sounds like a lot the of the same. same. Yeah. Fair point. So one of the original storylines for it was that Josh and Heather were supposed to be former lovers. Hmm. Excuse me. Ironically enough, though, the pair had a lot of tension between them as actors. Not romantic tension. They actually fought a lot on screen. In the beginning of the film where Heather is meeting up with Josh, she jokingly calls him Mr. Punctuality. That was actually a joke, like an inside joke for the filming crew because he was actually really late on the first day of filming and the directors got so agitated by this that they decided that Josh was going to be the first character killed <laughs> off because it was originally supposed to be Mike. My memory thought I uh, thought it was Mike told too. Told me that it was Mike, but yeah, I forgot it was Josh. That's so funny. Like, oh, you're going to be the first one killed off. <laughs> Can you imagine? We can talk about these working conditions that they had to go through because the actors responded to a posting that informed them that this job was going to be extremely demanding and difficult. The film was shot over the course of 8 days. Filming actually ended on Halloween day, 
and the actors were fed less and less as shooting went on, similar to what's going on in the film, where they start off prepared having food, but then their food is rationed less and less and less. And was by that the, with intent to... With intent. And at the end, they were taken to Denny's for a lovely meal. <laughs> Denny's, huh? <laughs> Denny, yeah, Denny's wouldn't be like... That's where the 25k went? In Denny's. <laughs> Actually, the actors were paid $1,000 per day while shooting. So mm. eight days, $8,000. I would definitely take $8,000 oh, in a sure. week. But for an actor, I'm sure that seems pretty freaking low. I don't know. I've never been an actor. I mean, 8000 for a week. They were doing full time, right? Full, oh, just full, every day, all, all day. day. A lot sense. of work. A lot of demanding work. I believe once the film became a critical success, they were each paid somewhere closer to 300000 each. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's nice that they at least got paid after the fact when the film became very successful. So kind of how I mentioned early on, this film was revolutionary in a few ways it's also accredited with being one of the first few movies that marketed itself on the internet oh cool and yes 1999 y2k like this was the early onset of internet culture this film i would say at the time had marketing geniuses now if you would look at the way films are marketed it kind of goes back to how this film was marketed it was marketed as truly found footage like the trailers were the team finding the rusted movie like the camera things like that online they would post missing posters of the three actors when the film was released at sundance they gave flyers to the audience saying hey if you actually see these people call the police and stuff like that so like like committed so cool. to the bit yeah so much so that people were disappointed to find out that the actors were alive uh, yeah can you believe that i'm disappointed you're alive <laughs> i mean the characters are dead yeah the actors are not <laughs> If that helps you sleep at night. But One other last thing I kind of want to mention is that they pioneered kind of the shaky camera found footage style, which I hate so much. And I'm not the only one because the shaky style actually caused a lot of people to vomit in the movie theaters. Makes sense. I didn't think it was that shaky. It was when they're running, obviously. But as far as shakiness for a movie, I've seen so much worse. Well, my gripe with it is that they're supposed to be filmmakers and documentarians and... Even when they're interviewing people, it's like flipping up and they were swaying. Like they did not know how to stand still just to interview people. You know what? It's hard to do that. Okay. I've taken video at parties. You get tired from just standing in one position. (laughs) That's why you take a little tripod. That is all the fun facts I think I have, except how much this movie made. Do you want to take a guess? For the late 90s? Yes. Is it in the millions? It is definitely in the millions. Somewhere around 100 million. Oh, way more. Oh, really? Yes. It made, according to Wikipedia, there could be other sources, but 248.6 million upon release. Worldwide, though. Don't know how much domestic. Okay, I was just thinking that I, I just saw the numbers for Black Widow this past weekend. Just in the weekend, it was like 80 million or something like that. But just for the 90s, that's a shit ton. Yeah, I think at the time it was one of the most successful indie films ever. That's awesome. It sucks to think that like new campaigns and new movies try to do the same thing, but it's seen as that. It's seen as trying to do the same instead yeah. of just like its own thing. I think that creativity is becoming hard, not because you are not creative, but because it's compared too it's much to things that already exist. All that, been done before. Isn't that tough? For sure. We see this theme a lot with horror movies. Horror movies always, always, always have like the tiniest budget. And like, I think part of the reason they are successful is because there is so much room for that revenue to come in but how many times like saw what else did we cover all of them it's like they had the tiniest budget and they blew it out of the water yeah maybe there's a correlation between trying too hard and not making your money back because you tried too hard versus like you're just 
trying to make something that's good. And, Actually scary. Like, like, I believe the Conjuring films now have huge budgets compared to these, at least. But they always still rake it in. Well, because I think everyone's trying to see if it's going to be as good as the last one. And it usually isn't. It usually <laughs> isn't. Cool. Yeah. So I think under a minute, you're up. Oh, fuck. Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Let me get the timer here. Are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three. All right. So we get introduced to these three filmmakers. There's Girl Heather. There's Josh. There's Mike. They're picking each other up. They're getting ready to go on this trip. They're talking about the Blair Witch Project. Sounds like there's a, a legend about this Blair Witch up in Burkittsville, Maryland. Um, they start interviewing locals. They get the story about what everyone knows about the Blair Witch. They get introduced to some weird characters who they're like, you know, she's just crazy. So they start getting out. They go out to the woods. They start this trek to get to the cemetery. They're looking for evidence for whatever the project is. I mean, all these details aren't given until later. They eventually get lost, they're panicking, all the panic starts to ensue and, and more and more things start to happen because they start to find certain things, at night they start to hear noises. Uh, Mike throws the map into the river because he's like, fuck it, whatever, it's not going to help us anyway because Heather on this whole trip has been like, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going, but she clearly doesn't. So then uh, eventually they get to a point where at night, because they continue to hear noises, they hear voices and eventually somebody like starts tapping on the fuck. What? <laughs> I felt like I had so much time. <laughs> you started going into the details, and I was like, oh no, he's not going to make it. Fuck. Okay. Damn it. I should have just sped up. I thought about speeding up, but I was like, it feels like I have a lot more time left. <laughs> so I'm just going to go in not. a little bit specific. You can tell that we haven't done this in a month. <laughs> Wait, does that mean I have to take a shot? No, It it's does. Okay. That's the rule. I mean, go for it. <laughs> the rule is the rule, babe. Do, 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 do. Take it like medicine. Yeah. No fun in that. Like medicine? Yeah. You know what? Let me go get my vitamins. I'm going to take another shot. There you go. All right. Well, I lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of didn't make it there. So, I don't even know where you left off. I was so focused on like, <laughs> damn, he's still going and he's got like two seconds. Your face didn't give anything away. Thank you. That's why I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got time. Yeah. You panicking. Yeah. Because I would panic and then you'd know you'd have to hurry up. I was like basically at the end. I was just talking about how like the, something hits the tent and then they run and then Josh goes missing. That's then... still not the end. That's like still kind of towards the Well, middle. Josh basically goes missing and then they look for him and they find this house and then they die. The end. Okay. Let's see what IMDb says. So, found footage tells the story of three film students who traveled to a small town to collect documentary... Documentary. <laughs> documentary. <laughs> I broke. <laughs> documentary. You, no one can see me, but like my eyes went into the distance like, what is wrong with me? Traveled to a small town to collect documentary footage about the Blair Witch, a legendary local murderer. Over the course of several days, the students interview townspeople and gather clues to support the tale's veracity. But the project takes a frightening turn when the students lose their way in the woods and begin hearing horrifying noises. So that's pretty much it. Let's dive into it. Before we start, I want to talk about how I loved that this took place during Halloween because just watching it, I didn't even care what the people were saying. I was like, it's Halloween in there and I want it to be Halloween here. <laughs> I want to be in the movie where people are getting murdered because it is Halloween. You're wearing a Halloween shirt too, by the oh, way. Oh, I am. <laughs> Yeah, the guy John the Carpenter's. The guy at the bike shop said he loved it. Yeah. No one ever points this shirt out. You wear it all the time. I, I wear it all the time. time. This is the first time anyone ever cared. Thanks, guy <laughs> at Trek. But yeah, I just wanted the blue skidoo into the Blair Witch Project because fuck. It's Halloween there. It's Halloween there. Yeah, I don't think that's simple. a good enough reason. Yes, it is. <laughs> You'd be lost in the woods. Probably. That's fine. I'll just eat dinner with Blair Witch. Even if it's me that's on the menu. <laughs> It's pretty hardcore there. I'll do anything for Halloween. So funny because it's also our wedding anniversary and you have not mentioned that once. And it's also our wedding anniversary. 
Mm-hmm. We're coaxed into saying it. It's also our wedding anniversary. <laughs> I forget to mention. So we open on a title card, I guess it'd be called. Mm-hmm. Basically explaining that on October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. And that is the first credit of the film. Opening title. If we wanted to go by the logic that they died in this house, that also means that someone else had to come out here and find this footage in this house, right? Well, it says it was found a year later. My thing is, kind of like Josh mentions, they have friends and family that eventually would have been looking for them. Right, but wouldn't it happen to anyone who goes out here and looks for them? That they get lost and eaten, or that they find the footage? Yeah, that they got out here, they get lost and eaten. Or is the thought that the witch is like VHSs and just tosses them out to the edge of the woods? Oh, could be. <laughs> Honestly. And knows that that's what that is. She's just like, must okay, show VHS. the world how creepy I am. Yeah, I don't know exactly what <laughs> happened. That's something that kind of I wish the final scene would be like. This is what happened. This, this is, is what happened. You know, like a lot of movies do, like they were never found. This is all we found. Like la 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 la. I want to see a movie about how this footage is found. Well, I think there was <laughs> like talks of a prequel, but the prequel was going to take place in the 1700s, which I would have been more interested in because something that bothers me about this movie is the very, very little background we get on the lore, which seems to be like a problem with a lot of fans. So we open on that title card and then we're introduced to Heather who is basically filming herself and is saying, I am about to leave for the weekend, leave the comfort of my home to go to the woods. We get the shot of her picking up Josh first, where she calls him Mr. Punctuality. (laughs) They together go pick up Mike. Mike has the equipment, correct? They each seem to have some equipment. Like you're talking about this debt. I'm assuming it's some sort of camera. It definitely has to be something that was expensive to rent because they are very worried about it. Mike seems to be someone that they also just don't know either. It seems like they're not all close friends they maybe know each other from school josh and heather do but mike seems to be just a guy who they responded hired. to a posting yeah because yeah. she, later she mentions like you're the one who agreed to this posting and mike's like i didn't sign up for this i don't even know you guys which worst way to fucking die around people you don't even know i don't even know if i'd go camping with a bunch of people i don't know mike for money starts out to be like a shitty character and ends up being like the nicest one of all of them oh mike is insane We get introduced to the three main characters and find out that they're chasing the legend of the Blair Witch. That it actually used to be the name of the town. Yeah, that used to be called Blair and it's now called Burkittsville. But I think they say that it's because they wanted to get rid of that notion that it was related to Notoriety. The locals are being interviewed and one guy mentions, I didn't gather all the specific details, but it sounds like there was a murderer slash serial killer who would go around taking kids, would kill them. And there's a story of how he would collect two at a time, put one in the corner facing the wall and would kill the other behind them. They've got speculations that the reason he would do this was because he didn't want to see them, see him killing the other one. Saw this kind of while I was looking up fun facts, but I didn't catch it during the film. He mentions that he comes out of the woods saying that he's done with his project. And when the police go to investigate is when they find the dead kids. Strangely, there is seven dead kids, right? Mm -hmm, Seven total. Which if he killed them two at a time, don't know how he ended up at seven. But he came out of the woods saying that the white lady in the woods made him do it. Clearly still referencing a witch in the film. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that either. Yeah. That the witch made it in the note. Yeah. But there's a lot of history of killers who claim like demons and so and so. Literally the Conjuring 3 as well. Is the whole premise. Yeah. (laughs) 
when they're going through more and more, Heather's trying to paint this picture for the documentary to say, like, there's a lot of untold stories here, but uh, little is known about the different story that everyone knows, which is the Blair Witch. There's a lady with a kid. They're like, do you believe in the Blair Witch? And she's like, I know not to go up there and check and find out, <laughs> which, sure. Is the logical response to Reasonable. Things. There's a story of two men who went missing after camping near her supposed cabin area. And then Mary Brown, who is crazy, is mentioned by one of the locals, and so they visit Mary Brown. Allegedly crazy. I guess the most important part of Mary Brown's story is that she claims that when she was a kid fishing with her dad, she saw this woman who was completely covered in fur from, like, the neck down, like, had a cloak over her. And she was mentioning that specifically horse hair. That she's hairy. She's, like, really focused on the fact that she's hairy. One thing I don't like about these film students... Okay, I know it's not an investigation in crime, but I feel like they're asking a lot of leading questions, trying to get people to say what they want them to say, which I don't think is professional. No? What would it be the correct way to do it? You just get the most true... Well, I'm not a fucking filmmaker. Probably more of a filmmaker than I am. No. I'd probably do what they're doing in the movie. I'd be like, so do you believe her or not? Do you believe in this? I think you're supposed to be impartial and Objective. just get the the most, like, this was her story, leave it to interpretation. Well, they're very judgy in general about Mary Brown anyway. They drive off yeah. and they're like, she's crazy. She's talking about how she's like a star in Hollywood or something like a that. A ballerina and everything. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> Later, Heather are not says, nice to her. like, I thought Mary Brown was insane. Little did I know that all of it was true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what you get for making fun of people. Kind of like the night before they officially go out camping where they're celebrating their first day of recording. We get the inspiration of this drink. Heather hates scotch and they make her drink some. It's awkward dialogue. You can tell they're not really friends, but they're just trying to have a good time. We get them finally setting up for the next day where they are going to be camping the next two nights. They pass a cabin, which I thought was going to be the cabin they ended up in, but it's not. Definitely the house they end up in is more decrepit. It seems like they are looking for two locations through this sequence. I just didn't know what they were doing at any point. Because it sounded like there was supposed to be a cemetery. They come upon, at this point, the Coffin Rocks, which Coffin they Rocks about. they keep mentioning. Wasn't that story kind of messed up? The legend apparently says that five men were found. It seemed like they were suffering. And then when people came back to find the bodies, they were missing entirely. Did, did you catch that? I did that? not catch no? that at all. What? It's, yeah, it's like the story that Heather is saying. Okay, so current to wiki fandom. In March of 1886, eight-year-old Robin Weaver was reported missing and search parties were dispatched. Although Weaver returned, one of the search parties did not. Their bodies were found weeks later by a second search party at Coffin Rock, tied together at the arms and legs and completely disemboweled. Their bodies later vanished when the team left and returned with additional help to remove and bury the bodies. Huh. So, maybe not lifted up, but... Tied together. Tied together. I thought you meant kind of like the voodoo dolls we kind of see later on in the film where they're like spread out. I mean, who knows, because we don't ever get a visual of that, but that's the story that Heather says when they get to the Coffin Rocks. And so you don't really see anything in that scene. It's just kind of... Looks like a creek. They are very clearly looking for a graveyard. We get this weird scene for some reason where they needed to record Mikey's chest hair. Very important to the documentary. I just put silly and awkward interactions down in my notes. Yeah. So I didn't really like care too much about all this. The point obviously is to say like, they're having fun. They're out here. They're doing their thing. Again, they had to improvise a lot of their lines. She already at this stage in the film is getting lost quite a bit. She keeps saying though that she knows where she's going. That she knows where she's going. She's absolutely not lost. Mikey very quickly loses his temper about it. Like he is already mad that she is slightly lost. She pulls out the map for them to look at it. And he is so mad. He's the only person mad at this point. And they pull out the map. She kind of has this moment of like, well, then you fucking read the map, which is what I would do. And he's like, I can't read this. 
And I'm like, you mad? You can't this read maps? This is great to me. And I'm like, then why are you yelling? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like you can't read the me. map. Don't be yelling at everybody else. That's your fucking loss, okay? Can you read a map? No. I wouldn't be yelling. I'd just <laughs> sit there until we think of a plan. <laughs> as much as the pre-stuff to the woods is talking about how they're preparing, it doesn't necessarily show to what extent. There's only one map, apparently. Why? Mm-hmm. Dan would disagree. I was going to say that. I'm going to mention Dan throughout this because... Dan, Dan would was have so survived this. this movie. We had Signal, and yet Dan was out there like we were about to take on the world. <laughs> Overthrow the government. So there's a compass, you have the map, and they're talking about, oh, it should have only been a two-mile walk. A two-mile walk is 30 minutes yeah. from where the car is. And they've been walking for how many days at this point? I think two. No, they were walking two hours. That is way too long. I thought it was already like the They weren't like day. super lost yet, and so, he was so mad. mad. And he's <laughs> already mad. Like, it gets worse, dude. Yeah, he's mad after two hours. I didn't realize. I thought they were like already there for day or something yeah we get the next scene that is them entering what is clearly meant to be a ritual area there is a couple twig structures and rocks piled up on top of each other it's not okay what i think this film does well is it is subtly disturbing there's no giant pentagram drawn in the woods it's like twigs and stick twined together and like weird things of happening out like unsettling things that you'd be like okay that was definitely not an animal that did that so they walk into what looks like a ritual area they knock over the witch's rocks and i think heather puts them back i was like why would you touch that you already fucked up by knocking it over but why would you touch that it looked like mike was the one mike did it, it yeah yeah Later when he talks about kicking the map into the creek, I thought he was saying, I'm the one who kicked, kicked the, rocks. the rocks down. Yeah, that's what I thought too. It seemed like he did it on purpose. They mentioned that Mary Brown earlier had also mentioned there was a story about a pile of rocks. Heather is realizing at this point too that Mary Brown might not have been as insane as they were making her out to be. This movie, Heather makes it's just pi- lost in the woods for hours and, and then is. something happens. They're cooking sausage and Heather's like, look, my sausage is burning like the witches. Ha ha. And it's like, ha ha. Great. Why would you make this joke? It just knocked over her ritual. You're yeah. already in trouble. You can definitely feel tension in the group. They wake up to noises in the forest for the first time. They turn the camera on. You can't see shit. The camera light doesn't really help at all. They're like, they're all around us. Josh and Heather step out to see. Mike's like, nah, I'm staying here. He's like, nah, I'm not scared. I just don't want to go out there and bother whatever's out there, right? He's like, it's deer. Which I agree Would be with. my first thought, too. Yeah. I can't imagine being out there and thinking that whatever's out there is... Paranormal. Because like, like you either think every noise is fucking creepy or you're just like well it's just noises of the night it's animals raccoons bears whatever scary because yeah. i'd be terrified if a bear came up to a tent i figured you would be creeped out if we ever went tent camping. oh absolutely fucking not just <laughs> telling you that now i would also assume though that's an animal the morning after they're like it sounded like people everyone is spooked i don't know what that was i don't know it's people messing with us so this part I thought was interesting because they're like, we're outsiders. We did go around the town questioning everybody. So someone has to know that we're out here and they just are messing with us. Josh specifically says to Heather, it was probably somebody out here messing with you, Heather. Mike later too is like, look, I don't give a shit who it was. If they're out here scaring us, that also means that they're also crazy. And I don't want to mess with that. It does sound <laughs> very much like small town mentality. Did you really not take down any of this? It's just literally people arguing in the woods for hours. (laughs) At this point, they're like, you know what? Let's just head back to the car. The guys don't really trust Heather with the directions because Heather this entire time has been like, I know where I'm going. And they're like, no, dude, you do not know where you're going. Which I never got her denial. Like, if you're lost, just say you're fucking lost. That makes her less trustworthy because they keep thinking she just wants to continue to do the documentary and doesn't care what's happening to them. Which is happening because when the creepy stuff does finally start, she's like, 
excited about it and right. she wants to keep filming it which is a trope that we see with a lot of people who are looking out for footage until we see it it's in too late yeah wreck happens too she's like bring the camera we gotta cap- yeah. capture all of this you know it's, it's just a thing that happens with these people who have footage to catch you gotta justify the camera being there the entire yeah. time they lay out camp again because they're walking all day trying to head back and they hear the sounds at night they're like it could be a deer it sounds like footsteps they're all spooked again have you ever felt this fear that when you start to notice things are happening you just can't wait for things to be better and so the way that you can tell that things will be better is by telling what time it is because you're trying to figure out how much longer you have to endure whatever is currently happening has that ever happened to you no 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 i don't go in the woods I'm not even talking about the woods. I'm just talking about situations in general. It's like being at a party. Fuck, it's only 10. I have to be here till midnight. Okay, maybe not that <laughs> drastic. Like having a job Parties interview. Parties are scary, okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, as soon as it's 2 p.m., this job interview is over. Go back to my life. So Mike is like, please tell me that it's 5. Please tell me that it's 5. And but he's also like, saying it because of sunlight. Right. And she's like, it's only 3. And he's like, fuck, it's only 3. So that means that they have all this time to have to endure this. So they wake up. And they find that there are three piles of rocks, just like the one from earlier, around the tent. I don't know if it's Mike or Josh. Ask, like, you sure those weren't there before? And others like, do you think I'd set up camp next to three <laughs> perfect piles of rocks? <laughs> yes, Heather. You've been untrustworthy at this, this point. This entire movie. Wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> Josh is like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. The map is missing. Heather lost it. It's a lot of screaming between them of, you had it. No, you had it. No, you had it. Heather is like, I know. I know that I lost it i know and then later she's like no i gave it to you josh yeah it's like she isn't reliable because if you know you lost something and you fucked up i think part of her thinks that someone stole it because she always has it on her which ends up being the case i'm still gonna say that but why, if you wouldn't, lost something, why wouldn't you, you have more than something. one map at this point they're still worried about returning equipment on time which i think is kind of unrealistic i'd be more worried about, about being lost you need to get the fuck out of here just, they're laughing because Heather got her shoes wet, which is like the least funny thing. But they are clearly in hysterics at this point. And so at some point, Josh is like, look, regardless of whoever the fuck lost the map, this is just all fucked up. Mike admits because they're laughing. He's like, haha, you know what, guys? I actually kicked that map into the river. I kicked that fucking map into the creek because it's fucking useless. And then Josh and Heather join in on hating Mike. Well, yeah, like, (laughs) dude, just because you couldn't read it doesn't mean that there wasn't people there who could read it. (laughs) It's like, if you're just mad, you can't read. He, like, truly has anger issues, though, because he sets off at the smallest things. So there was think, always, like, the two people who were being most hysterical and then the one person being like, look, guys, we need to work together. No matter who it was, it was like they rotated, all three of them, whoever was that one person trying to be reasonable. So I think because they ended up switching the order of who got killed, Mike's character changes because he's taking on the parts originally written for Josh. Oh. That's my theory. That makes sense. Because he is an asshole character and you're kind of like i want him to die that's kind of why i remember him dying first i forgot that josh did because josh is reasonable the law in the beginning. horror movies the asshole dies first asshole within reason again because it's not like they're assholes just for fun no, they're assholes Mikey's because of what's like, going on beyond reason you're not gonna kick your only chance of survival into the river no matter how mad you are someone else can read it <laughs> just because i can't i'm not gonna I mean, go can, with that i mean can they though because this whole time heather's been lost so can she really read the map i think that's what mike's point is it's like bitch you had the map this whole time and we're still lost, so what the fuck was the point of it? I'm just saying that his logic for why the map was useless makes sense. At that point, I would have been like, okay, 
we're gonna stage a mutiny and you're like literally not allowed to fucking say where we're going because you don't know. All right, Dan had several backup lines. Dan had a GPS, Dan had the map. Dan had a physical map too. We weren't even anywhere remote. <laughs> you know, he had a map, I had my map. I don't know if Francisco and Daryl had their maps. He said, like, I'm not getting lost in the wood with you He said, I'm not getting lost, yeah. I mean, even Francisco at some point, because my GPS wasn't working, Francisco was like, you should have just downloaded the map. It's like, you have several people here who, blame aside from Heather, I think Mike and Josh should have also had their own crap to help them. Like, oh, yo, you're, you lost your map? It's cool, I have my map here. They weren't really planning on being out here that long. Sure, I guess that's the logic, but I don't know. They're just fighting each other. Sorry, is that a tangent? I don't know if it was. I'm just trying to make logic. <laughs> they're like... all fucking lost <laughs> that is something that is very annoying about this film though because you're just like shut the fuck up arguing you're lost at the end of the day arguing or not i'm not a fan of people who get angry instead of problem solving <laughs> one of them mentions like it's america all these like anecdotes i was like what is happening right now what are you even saying it's america you can't get lost in america it's real hard to get lost these days in 1999 it's, it's even harder to stay lost. <laughs> yeah, now I would say that statement's more true because everyone's got a phone on them. Right. What the fuck was she talking about? <laughs> she mentioned that they had destroyed most of their natural resources. So kind of like they kept saying the forest is not even that big to be getting that lost in. But it's not because I saw the map. I saw, saw the map. map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. earlier when they're like kind of looking at the map, you could see how big it is and it's not that big. Yeah. There's kind of like this scene of like they're giving each other the silent treatment and they're skulking around. Then they come across or say they found some voodoo shit, which is what <laughs> they say in the film. Straight up found some voodoo shit. What? Some voodoo shit. That's all they say. <laughs> some meteor shit. Meteor shit? Yeah. What is that? From Creepshow. Meteor shit? Yeah. Gordy, he finds the meteor and he touches it. He's like, ah, meteor shit. Oh. Come on, I think you summarized that one. I had to, I'm also not great at summarizing, apparently. This is a scene where they come across that much larger collection of voodoo shit, as they yeah. call it. Of all different sizes, right? All different sizes. Most of them are kind of in the shape of you are supposed to say it's a human. It looks like it's got the head. and the, It's what's on the it's on the Yeah, it's on the, the cover of everything. There is so many of them and like Heather keeps touching them. I just don't understand her need to touch things. Yeah, I wouldn't touch any of that. I would fucking not look at it. Hold on. But would you walk amongst it? No. I wouldn't go near it. You sure? Because I've seen you. Okay. At witchy places. Okay, but that's not someone's personal ritual. It's, it's for sale. Touristy. It's for <laughs> sale. <laughs> and it hasn't so, been cursed so yet. smack a price tag on it. You're like, all right, it's fine now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it's fine to touch stuff. No, it's not some, it's not a current ritual that someone's working on. You know, like you don't have to worry about the intentions behind it. Because it's out in real life. Yeah, that was like if, and we've seen this near where we live. Piles of rocks. I've seen that too. When I'm walking Loki, you're talking about out here? Yes, people pile rocks. We genuinely believe that one of our neighbors is a witch. Do we? Not in a mean way. Like, oh. she's genuinely, <laughs> we've seen her do. We do, as a unit. You've told me that she's out there throwing stuff in the forest. Oh, that young girl? Yeah. Oh. And she's always coming out of there. She's weird. Yeah, I think she I mean, does, like, look, ritual stuff. Not weird. There. Yeah, it's just, she does odd stuff that's not ordinary. She does odd stuff that's not ordinary. Well, because I don't want to say weird, because weird things are okay, I think. I think it's, it's just not... that it's the neighborhood forest area that everyone can access. Well, yeah, because you told me, like, she looks normal. I'm like, I literally saw her go out there and just, like, stopped out of nowhere, bent over and grabbed a bunch of gravel, and just, like, tossed it in one direction, and tossed it in the other, and then kept walking. I was like, the fuck? What did I just see? That sounds like a ritual to me. Yeah? Or OCD. She doesn't seem to, like, to interact with any of the neighbors, mm -hmm. which is fine by me. Yeah. <laughs> do we interact? No. No, yeah. You do. You talk to everybody. That's just because I want to know who's out here to kill me. Mm. 
That's how you get killed by introducing <laughs> yourself. To like when I walked in that one guy's house, because he's yeah, like, "Want to go see my kitchen?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" <laughs> this is how you get murdered. I helped him throw away a toilet. I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to kill me. Mm-hmm. I went that outside to throw nothing. away. Went outside to throw away my trash, and he was throwing out his trash. And I helped him. It's called being nice. Was, you don't get killed if you're nice. You only get killed if you're nice. Mm-hmm. Haven't you heard every true crime story ever? Mm-hmm. They were a kind-hearted person whose smile lit, lit up a room. That's how you fucking. Is die. that the murderer or the dead? The person? victim. Oh, I thought that was the murderer because it's also usually the story of the murderer. I mean, if they're white men. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how both of those descriptions fit both. The murderer and the murdered. That's true. So sad. Nice people just out here killing nice people. What the fuck? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Judgy. Something sus about that statement. <laughs> no redneck is this creative. Yeah, because at this point they feel like they must admit that it's not townspeople doing it. But I would argue townspeople could still be doing this. Right. Well, how many times have we seen movies where it's like you go into the shed and all the machinery and things like that to kill people are all hanging around. They've got busts of animals yeah. they've killed. They've Texas got things Chainsaw nice and, Massacre. Yeah, they've, they've got furniture. You're wrong, Mikey. Rednecks are creative. Can absolutely do that. So then Mikey's like, fuck it, I'm gonna just yell into the forest and scream for help. I mean, sure, I guess you could try, but, but it's not But if you also suspect you've been followed this whole time by people that could be trying to hurt you, I wouldn't scream for help because oh. they would find you faster. This forest isn't that big, and I could see why you would try to scream out for help but but no also is this a national forest is this like a state forest a park it seems like just a small forest near a small town because imagine there's also like park rangers oh i don't think it's supposed to be that that big of a forest especially if the whole town believes it's haunted right i don't can't remember which character says it but they're like at this point i think it's safe to say that we're lost like bitch we've been lost they've been lost yeah (laughs) they just admit it and then they get prepared to spend like their third, fourth night. It's hard to know which day. Time is hard to read in this film. I would say this is probably one of the crazier nights that they have. One of them suggests, let's not light a fire tonight because the nights that we lit a fire is when we've been messed with. And when we haven't lit a fire, we didn't. And this is the night that they get messed with most. The most. So it's not even about how easy they are to find. They like very much know where they are. This night is where they are hearing very clearly these are voices. In the past, it was kind of like crackling sticks and twigs and rocks, but they're hearing whispers like right outside their tent. Giggling, kind of. Giggling. Ugh. Children giggling. The worst thing that you want to hear in the forest. Do you think it was like children giggling? Since we watched it with captions. Oh, that's right. It said children giggling. Oh, did it? I I was writing notes at this point. The tent gets attacked and they run out screaming. Could you imagine? No. That shit. I'd be horrified. Because they stay still. They're like just waiting for the sounds to stop because that would be my plan happened but then it's just like hands like hitting the tent and they're like oh fuck and they all run could you imagine that shit that's that's scary yes and one thing that bothers me about this scene is they're running they're using the camera as light and they're still recording obviously but heather turns around and is like what is that what is that and then whoever's holding the camera kind of turns and you don't see shit ever and i want to know what she saw you hear kind of like a screaming baby it's in par you, you with, do hear a woman. Yeah, it's in par with the lore of the murdered children. Because you mm-hmm. hear children out in the woods. But they kind of bunker down and wait out the night. They have been there for like an hour when sunrise finally happens. They get back to the camp. Josh's stuff is all over the place. Just Josh's stuff. And Just it's his. also covered in slime for some reason. Which I wish they would explain more. Because it's obvious he's been singled out. And but like, make, why and slime? It makes sense, yeah. <laughs> is it spit? Juice. Witch juice. Witch juice. <laughs> Gross. But they come up on some log again because they just come up on very many logs and they panic. Josh is going crazy. He's basically like egging Heather on. He takes the camera, looks at Heather, 
staring. And he's like, I get why you do this. It detaches you from reality. He's like, I'm just recording you. Isn't that what we want? Come on, let's make movies, Heather. They're like, we walked for 15 hours and we're sleeping in the same spot as last night. How the hell did we walk for 15 hours and we're back at square one? I would also be furious. I'm thinking that is the witch playing tricks on him? Is it that they're just so hysterical that they don't even realize what direction they're going in? Are they even using the compass? <laughs> Do they even keep know talking how about, to use a compass? Well, because they keep talking about walking south. And they're like, yeah, I'm following the compass. We're walking south. And they're like, we've been walking south for 15 hours. At this point, I think they're also like pretty low on food. They're low on water. They're obviously all pissed and tired. tired. So they're getting ready to spend yet another night in the woods. They've decided after the night that they had. I would not want to spend another night in the woods after like our tent got attacked. No, hell no. Can you imagine? We're walking till... We're walking the whole night, bitch. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Do you think that would have been better? I don't know. Than putting up tent? Well... We find out that it probably would have been the smarter move because they decide that Josh is going to keep watch at night. And he's missing the next morning. So, yeah, walking probably would have been the better choice. <laughs> they look for him all day. They're screaming out for him. They put the tent down again because they haven't found him. So now you're not just looking for home. You're looking for a person instead. And so you're wasting more time getting home. There's more hysteria. They're talking about what they wish they could have. like Food-wise? Uh, yeah. One point that I thought was like funny is where she's like, well, South didn't pan out. Where do you want to go? <laughs> East or West? And he's like, which was the evil one in the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that is that is not a good way to dictate. They hear painful screaming at night. They do. Painful. And they believe it to be Josh. Or it's a trick. Or it's a trick. Kind of like the voices they heard the night before. Unsure if they're real or not. Because it's just moaning. And I think Mike also says like, if it was Josh... He would have called out back to us, right? Because they started screaming back into the night. Not if you're in agony, which is what's happening. Like Josh is just screaming if, if it's they're Josh. torturing him. At this point, they're just in the tent talking and it's dark. So much of this film is just black screen. It is. I don't know if you noticed that. They wake up to more voodoo shit, as they would put it. It's a bundle of sticks. A gift, so, if you will. I had their... Moves it away with a twig at first. Mike didn't see this thing, right? No, she went Ever. back. No, they, like he does not know, at the, which I think was a mistake not to tell him seeing how the end pans out. She moves it at first. She shows scenes of kind of like Mikey just losing it. It's kind of bad acting, if I'm honest, because he's like acting like what he thinks the crazy person would act like, like the rocking back and forth yeah. and things like that. So while he's having his meltdown, Heather goes back to the bundle of twigs and opens it. I don't think I would do this. You don't think so? Don't it's held that. together by a piece of what looks like Josh's shirt. It and, is. And so she opens up the bundle. And so I think you and I still had like discussions on what we both think it is. Yeah. I remember it always being that it's like his tongue or something. I tried to look this up and the only thing that I could find was that it was his shirt. Pieces of his hair and teeth. I didn't even see teeth. I saw teeth. Okay. But, that, but the he, red, that big red thing in the middle. That looks I don't like a know what it is. It could be I an animal part organ for ritual yeah. or... Yeah, they did kill him and put his tongue out there. Which would be kind of like a warning sign. Like a serial killer. Not so much a paranormal entity, I think. Like, what's the point of this if it is a paranormal thing? It's like, here's a gift. I Th think it's... Thanks for coming to my humble abode. Here's your friend's tongue on a platter. I think it is only important because Heather now knows that Josh is probably dead, if not very much tortured. Or so we think, because the next night's when we hear the actual spoken screaming. We kind of get these final scenes of Heather and Mike. Mike has started eating dry leaves because he's hungry. <laughs> and 
The most iconic. The most iconic scene of this entire film is where Heather points the camera at herself from a very unflattering downward angle and is crying into the camera, finally accepting that all this was her fault, which kind of. She apologizes to everyone. She apologizes to Josh's mom, Mike's mom and her own mom. And basically like she knows they're going to die. Like you wouldn't film that unless you know you're going to die. I mean, what else do you think is left to happen? You lost a person in your group. You know that night is when shit gets real bad and it's about to be night again. It is already probably. Things have been intensifying every night. So you can only imagine that the next night you want to take note of something. Something, yeah. We reach the final scene of the movie where they come across this very decrepit looking house. They walk in. Without hesitation. So I I thought it was so dumb. I was like, The house looks scarier than the woods. Don't get me wrong. I guess they're hysterical. You can assume that it's because they're just like ready to get out of here. And they find this building that obviously looks abandoned. But it's super close to where they put up camp. So like what makes you think that this isn't weird? Like you just suddenly find this building near where you set up camp that you didn't see at any point the day before when you were walking around for 15 hours, however many hours. Well, they go in because they think they hear Josh's voice coming from the house. But I also wouldn't just run it. Would you run in immediately? At least not without a plan. Like, hey, look, look, we hear the voice in there. But like, what if the witch is in there? What if whatever the fuck is out here is in there? I think we should like come up with a plan. What do we do? Mike runs in just head first. And Heather runs behind, scared. Did you see, I don't know if I like imagined this, but there is a noose hanging. Yes. The camera flashes over it super quickly. Yeah. I did not notice that my first no, me watch around. This next couple minutes is literally Mike running hysterically around this house, chasing a voice because he runs upstairs because he thinks it's upstairs. Why Mike is carrying a camera too doesn't make sense. No. It makes sense for Heather to be because she's like the one who cares. But why Mike is also doing it? Other than like plot. the light. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. the light. Yeah. And you can only hear sound from one of the cameras. So I think that's what the importance of the DAT was, is that only one could really record sound. Mm. Because as Heather approaches, I don't know if you realize that later on in the scene, Heather's voice sounds super far away. And then it gets closer. Oh, it does. And it sounds more and more hysterical as she's chasing Mike throughout the house. We see like, I thought they were kid hands. I don't know if you thought they were adult hands. You see hands? Oh, yeah, yeah, on the wall. The prints on the wall. You see those all over this house. Mm. And I thought you saw actual hands. I was like, oh, no, I didn't see hands. (laughs) Just the hand prints. Mike finally goes down to the basement where he believes he hears Josh. All you hear is Heather screaming hysterically, like blood curdling. So like, what is she, again, does she see something? Why? Or she's like, don't get so far ahead that we're separated, which I think is also a good plan. She finally catches up with him. And the last scene you see is Mike standing in the corner facing the wall. Because his camera had been knocked over like he got He's hit. He's not carrying anything anymore. Heather finds him, is terrified, and she gets knocked over and the camera cuts. And that is literally it. Yep. That's it. So <laughs> There's no closing statement. Nothing. Speculation. Hit me with it because I have suspicions. So when I first saw this film, I didn't catch the connection between the beginning where the old man gives the background story of how this killer would kill children, making one of them face the wall while he killed the other. And seeing it back this time, I'm like, oh, so are they saying that the killer is still in the woods? But that wouldn't make sense because he was alive during the 1940s. And you're like, oh, it could have been a copycat killer. But then the killer was also saying he was influenced by the witch. So is this just how the witch kills in Ritual? Or did she take over Josh? Because if the point is that the witch doesn't necessarily kill herself, but forces Possesses other people someone? to kill. Did she possess Josh? And is Josh the one who killed the other two? I like that theory. You know? Yeah. I don't 
think, because you could go like completely opposite direction here. You could be like, there was nothing paranormal. This was about a serial killer, a copycat killer. Right. Just hunting them down in the woods. And it'd still be scary. It'd just be like kids messing with stuff they don't understand. Because the whole leaving calling cards and things feels like a serial killer. Yeah. When have you ever seen a ghost be like, here's me. Here's a gift. Here's the thing. I guess in later movies, like today, you do see ghosts. Some of that, with yeah. But calling cards are not necessarily a common trope. paranormal thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like the idea that it's an actual witch. Don't get me wrong. Influencing people. Yeah, you could, I guess, what made this movie kind of disappointing to a lot of people is that it's not your typical horror movie where there is a clear understanding of what the villain is or who. Because you could say it was all hysteria on their end, honestly. You could say that Mikey finally lost it in the corner and just like she tripped and fell because she was freaking out. Or Josh was Or so Josh pissed. snapped and killed them. Yeah, he just laughed. Nothing and was to like, do with the witch or anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways you could like interpret that ending. Right. I like that. I mean, sucks because you don't know. It adds to the charm, I guess, of a horror movie or a horror story to just not know how things turn out because it leaves the viewer as the interpreter to say, this is what I believe happened. And then someone else might have an entirely different take. Also leaves it open for a sequel. Which you said wasn't that great? I started watching it and it was weird. I would have to finish it to get back to you. Weird in what way? It definitely deviates from the original concept. It's no longer found footage or... Oh, no, it's more like a movie. It's more like a movie. Like a dumb teens in the woods movie. That sounds dumb. It does. It, it feels like it was just a cash grab. And then there was one in 2006, right? 2016. 16. I think it was a remake, which we should probably watch. 2016? That was like five years ago. I thought it was like recent. I thought it was this past year that it came out because I do remember hearing about it. I, like I don't think movie. it's a movie that could be recaptured today. No, because there's plenty of other things. Like I said, I had my phone GPS. Dan had his GPS. We had yeah. a map. Uh, Google Maps now works in a way that although you might not have signal, as long as you have where you're going, your pinpointed location still works because you know geolocation, satellite, whatever, still sees at least where genuinely you were the last time you lost signal. Mm -hmm. So then whenever you're going in a specific direction it still notices that you're going in that direction your worst enemy would be running out of battery if anything people individually once your phone runs out of battery i think would be less equipped because you're less likely to bring a map with you it's so like when dan had a map i was like oh shit i didn't even think to bring a map but dan had a map right it's like those kinds of things i think relying too much on technology would be the biggest crutch once again dan would have survived this movie yeah cool yeah he would at least had like an axe to defend himself for sure. And a fishing line. To feed himself. Yeah. He'd be fine. Is that your final thoughts on the movie? Is that yours? I don't know. Like, I definitely think this movie was better this time around. I watched it back in, like, college and high school, and I was like, this is so boring. Really? You thought it was boring? I thought it was so boring. When you're, like, taking notes on it and you have to pay closer attention to detail, I'm like, oh, okay, I see the seeds of this movie more, and I, like, appreciated it more. I think it's good. You can't really talk ill of something that, like, inspired, like, entire genre changes and gave birth to the found footage genre to some extent to some extent yeah my only thing is i do wish there was a little bit more lore mm -hmm. thrown in there and not like casually talked about just like actual lore that's my opinion i would give it a six out of ten six point okay. five cool i would give it a seven the, the fear of not knowing and then also the fear of people being what's affecting you and what's bothering you and what's like scaring you will always kind of put a movie i think in the higher rate for me so i think seven is good cool cool
What an ending. Nothing scared Loki about this movie. You don't think so? I saw him kind of flipping up and down when he would hear the crickets and sounds of the forest. It didn't scare him, though. He's just like, what the fuck is that? What is that? But he hears those sounds here every day because we live basically in the forest. So, do you want to tell us how not scary this was, Loki? All right, next time we'll pick a scarier movie. Yeah, and we're going to go camping so you can see if you're actually not scared in the forest. I think he would love it. He would. He wouldn't like it at night, though. No. Because we, we did walk through uh, the little forest here by us, and usually he's running ahead of us. This time, he let me go in front and, and was, was like... between you and me? Right behind me. So, yeah. <laughs> terrible guard dog. Now that you're saying terrible guard dog, the other day that you got home, I was vacuuming, and, you know, he usually follows me around with a vacuum because he's like, I don't like this thing. I gotta keep an eye on you. it. Yeah. But you opened the door like super quickly and he barked, but then got super excited. Like he was super scared and then super excited out of nowhere. When you got home, like he doesn't know what to do. He's like, I'm afraid, but also I'm happy because it's people. But yeah. if it was anything else. He does that where when people get, he does this every freaking time. He knows who the people are, but he hears their voices and he can't see them or he hears them coming through the door and he's like, he's like, he's like, like really loud and scary and then he sees them enter the door and he starts losing his shit because he's excited so <laughs> so we'd know we're getting killed we would but then he'd be excited to see them which is fine because then he could distract them while we figure out what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so is that it from us is that it i feel like that was such an odd ending well like this movie it's very open-ended i'm excited for the drink video for this one because we have a forest at our disposal we're gonna look like creeps now in the woods we're gonna look like those influencers that people take videos oh my god (laughs) it's okay we'll just go deep into the forest and then get lost yeah what are we doing are we taking a table out there we'll get lost for 15 hours out there in that patch between two parking lots literally there's it doesn't even take a minute to walk past yeah the tree line but But the witch will make us get lost 15 hours yes to be fair as little as this little forest is i've seen deer and coyotes in here so it's big enough for that good enough for them it's good enough for them it's good enough for a witch to get lost in yeah all right so do i do i lead us out of here do you remember no okay good <laughs> what's funnier is that people are they're listening to this weekly they're not gonna notice that it's been a long time for us it's rusty as usual we hope you guys had a good time here you can follow us pretty much anywhere at shaken not scared pod except for twitter twitter is shaken scared pot you could send us an email at shaken not scared pod at gmail.com you can support the show on Patreon. We'll name our next drink after you with mentions on our website where the drink page will live forever. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, a bunch of others. Give us a listen. Give us a follow. Throw Loki a treat. Like, rate, review, all that good stuff. Please do it. Yeah. And not least, tell us you hate us. That too. That'd be fun. Why not? I always say you make it when you get hate mail. Yeah. We'd probably even read it on the show because <laughs> it'd be fun. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.